Well, welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. I'm Brian Buffini. No, no, no. I'm not Brian Buffini. This is Takeover Tuesday. This is his brother, Dermot Buffini. And uh, I'm the CEO of Buffini and & Company. And once a month, I'll be taking over the show from Brian. And I'm going to be sitting down with some folks who I've met along the way and talking to them about their journey of success. And as you guys know, success leaves clues. And as we talk to these folks, we're going to learn from their journey. We're going to learn the path that they took, all the twists and all the turns and all the lessons that they learned, and even some of the routines that helped them be successful. Now, our guest today is Gino Buffari, and Gino is a big deal in the real estate world. Gino works for none other than the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett. Gino serves as the CEO of HSF Affiliates, which operates the real estate brokerage networks of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Prudential Real Estate, and Real Living Real Estate. I've gotten to know Gino over the past 10 years fairly well, and I've got to tell you, he's a fantastic character. Gino is a can-do guy. He's known for his enthusiasm and his passion for life, and he's high on life. And he is a learner. There's not a self-help book he hasn't read, and there's not a class he hasn't attended. But Gino's more than a learner. He's a doer. And what's been fascinating to watch in his story is that he has applied this knowledge and put it into action, and he's reaped the rewards. And I asked Gino to tell us about his early years. Let's listen in. You're a Northern California boy. Yeah. Um, you went to school at San Jose State. Right, yeah. And what did you study there? I studied business there at San Jose State. But your entrepreneurial spirit has been alive and well. You're a very driven individual. But you were telling me a little bit about what it was like at San Jose. You just didn't go to school. What else were you up to at San well, Jose? Well, at San Jose State, number one, I put myself through San Jose State, and that was after two years at a community college. And so at San Jose State, my whole goal which um, I kind of missed the college experience because my whole goal was to get out of there in two years. Mm. However, I had to work. So I took a 7.30 class, an 8.30 class, a 9.30 class, and a 10.30 class. No matter who was teaching it, (laughs) I just took those classes, jogged in my car, and then drove to my full-time job that I had at this golf course, which was kind of cool, and pretty much worked from from noon to 8 p.m., every day so that's what I did but uh, I was able to achieve my goal and, and, and get out in those two years you're hustling through college you're working mm-hmm. at the golf course tell mm-hmm. me about working at the golf course because I didn't know that part about you yeah now what that, did you do that was I did it all I started out actually as a short order cook in the restaurant from there I went to the just as a, a laborer on the, uh, the golf course working for the golf course superintendent and then when I graduated from college an interesting thing happened a developer bought the golf course and they didn't really have anybody to run it and they gave me the job now this is pretty cool because you're you're 22 23 years Mm -hmm. old and so they make me the you know the pro shop manager the (laughs) restaurant and bar manager the golf course superintendent i actually was the youngest golf course superintendent in california and i was even the swim team coach not that i can swim (laughs) but i was a swim team coach so i did it all and on top of that they gave me a house right on the middle of the golf course. So, of course, being the entrepreneur guy that I am, I rented rooms out to all my friends, and I even had a side job of refinishing and regripping clubs. Well, it's cool to hear that work ethic, and I hope my kids work that hard in college. But as you know, hard work only gets you so far. You have to have a vision for where you're going. Let's hear about how that vision started for Gino. How did you get into real estate? Yeah, How did that's, that come about? Yeah, that's an interesting one, too. You know, I, I really liked the golf course, and, and it was great. But after a developer bought it, they decided to close the golf course down mm. and uh, build condominiums on the golf course. And because of my reputation for hard work and, and, and getting things done, they offered me a job. So they closed the golf course. 
everyone at the golf course lost their job except mm. me. Wow. And they stuck me on the construction site. And what we did was we were the developers, so we subbed everything out. So I'd actually work for the superintendent out there. But a lot of it was sweeping out the houses and getting ready. The foundation come in, then the, the rough plumbing would come in, then the rough framing would come in, then the electrical would come in, then the drywall would come in, you know, all these different stages. And we'd kind of manage that whole thing. So you end up getting into real estate because of that? And yeah, well, I, I end up getting real estate because of that because I'm sitting there on the on the job site you know it's about you know summer day 90 degrees and I'm thinking wow this is pretty hard work and I see this guy drive up in a BMW brand new BMW and this young guy gets out dressed in a suit and I whole thing I was like man I graduated from college maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this I'm supposed to get a, like a real job right and uh, he goes in so I asked around after and I learned that he sold real estate so I thought hey that's pretty cool I'll get a real estate license. So at the time, College of Sam Mateo was the only one offering a, a real estate course. I thought maybe I'd just sell the, the brand new homes. And I talked to them about doing that, and they didn't have any position available for me right then. So I decided to uh, just go to work for uh, a brokerage. In fact, here's what happened. You like stories, Dermot. Mm -hmm. Here's a story. Yep. On the job, in my pickup truck, jeans and a t-shirt, I go to the College of Sam Mateo. I'm taking this class, Real Estate Practices, taught by famous Bart Cadney. He's famous in the Bay Area. Sitting there in my pickup truck, reading over my practice questions for the, the state exam. And this class principals, every night we'd have a different kind of speaker. The first night he brings in this guy, Chuck Suica, okay, from Fox and Carscadden. So I'm sitting in my pickup truck, and I see this nice Jaguar come in. Guy gets out, sharp suit. He gets out and talks to us. I'm like, man... I want to work for Fox and Carskadden, and I want to work for Chuck Suica. So I, I called Chuck after, and um, I mean, I'm brand spanking new, just got my license. He says, where do you live? Oh, Sunnyvale Mountain View. So he sends me down to the Sunnyvale office, and I go in there all enthusiastic as can be, and Fox and Carskadden won't take any new agents. Mm. So they don't hire me, mm. right? So then I go for three months, and I work for this little company called Hopkins & Associates, ERA, I can remember the first day going into work, Dermot. I go into work, I show up at 8 o'clock. The door's locked and there's no one there. I can't get in. So I wait in my car. I mean, your typical real estate office, a daycare center for adults, right? So I go in my car and I sit there. You know, I'm dressed up, got my tie on, you know, I wear a tie every day. I sit there till like 10 o'clock. Finally, someone comes in, right? And I'm thinking, I'm not sure what's going on here, right? But in any case, by luck, because I'm the, the floor agent, the up agent, by luck, I get a couple calls. And I get this one call from this attorney in Florida, and uh, he's got a probate sale that he wants to do. And, you know, he's just calling up. Whoever answered the phone got the yep. deal, right? Mm -hmm. So I got a deal. So I got a couple deals under my belt. I got two deals of my own, by luck, being on floor. And then one, I helped another agent. I was like a showing agent for another agent. So we did a deal. So then I go back to Fox and Carscadden, and I said, you know, you told me to come back here when I had some experience. And I go, I've got some experience right now. Damn. I thought it was experience, three months and, you know, three little <laughs> deals. But they hire me, okay? So then I work for Fox and Carscadden. I'm so proud to be with Fox and Carscadden. They are the elite company at that mm -hmm. time. There was two, Cornish and Carrier, Fox and Carscadden were the two big companies in the Bay Area. So here's what I've learned from Gino so far, is that you have to be willing to work hard, but also have a vision for where you're going. And sometimes the vision gets blurry, and that's why it's good to find a mentor along the way. 
And in this next piece, you'll find out how a little constructive criticism from a mentor can make all the difference. So now I'm working so hard and so hard and so hard, and I can't get a break. I can't do a deal. Mm. I've got a $1 bill in my pocket. That's mm. how broke I am. Mm. And I don't do a deal for like six months. I'm struggling, I'm struggling, and I'm struggling. And I can't get a deal. I've turned my television off for one year. I'm a machine, okay? I listen to Tommy Hopkins. I listen to Zig Ziglar. I listen to Earl Nightingale. I mean, all the old ones. You know, uh, I, I talk like Zig. I, I can I can do Zig's whole conference, right? I, I have all these things going, mm-hmm. but I can't sell a house, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So one night... I get a call from a friend of mine, Don Stats, and he says, Hey, Gino, we want to sell our house, and we want to buy another house. Great. So now I'm thinking, I'm going to sell this house, and then I'm getting out of the real estate business that's not for me. Now, I've held an open house, Dermot, every Saturday and Sunday for six months as a beaten guy with a $1 bill in his pocket and not a great image. Mm -hmm. Even though I was the king at the golf course, I went from here to... Right? Penthouse to the outhouse. Yeah, penthouse to the outhouse, right? So now I'm holding an open house, and I could care less what happens because after I sell this house here, I'm getting out of the real estate business that's not Like a lot of realtors do. Like a lot of realtors would, right. So a guy comes in with a suitcase with $162,000 in it. In the mid-80s. In 1985. Wow. And he buys that house from me. So I double-ended. Right? I double-ended. So now I got like three deals, but I still don't really know what I'm doing. Now that next week, because, and I don't understand this, but because my self-image has changed, Mm. okay, all the pressure's off, and I even remember these people's name because it was such a big deal to me back then. Joe Santos calls up on the house. I said, it's already sold, and I discovered that he's a first-time home buyer. And I had put together this analysis of home ownership for a first-time home buyer, which was really perfect. I was all proud of it. And they already had a realtor, but I could tell that they didn't really know what they were doing. He says, look, no obligation. Come on down here. I'll take you through my first-time home buyer thing. So he comes in on Tuesday night. I take them completely through that. They call me up on Wednesday, and they say, you know what, Gino? We want you to be our realtor. We really like you. So I go, great, because you know what? Another house just came on the market on that same street. So I show them that on Wednesday, and I sell them that house that night. So now you're two houses beyond now, where you now, were trying to quit. Now, now I got four deals, Dermot. Now I got four <laughs> deals. It's still Thursday of the next week. That weekend, I sell two more houses. Wow. Now I got six deals, mm. and I'm still freaking clueless. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got six deals. Now, here's the defining moment. So I've sat behind this guy Mike Ray, who still to this day, he passed away, but still to this day, he was the greatest realtor as far as strategist and knowledge that I've ever met. So I sat right behind him. So Mike Ray's there, and he was one of those defining moments Mm -hmm. in my career, because here's what happened. Mm. I would start every day at 6.30 in the morning. We all had our own key. So I started at 6.30. At 7 o'clock, Mike Ray that dude would come in, right? My mentor, first mentor. My mentor, my first mentor uh, of real estate. He would come in, and he comes in, and he's looking at me, and he's shaking his head because I put six deals on my little, yeah. and I got these little fives. So I put a number in my deals. So he goes, what are you doing, Gino? I go, Mike, I go, I got six deals. I'm, I'm numbering my deals. You know, I'm putting numbers on them. One, two, three, four, five, six, you know? <laughs> and he goes, Gino, you don't want to ever number your deals. And I'm like, Why? 
And he said this, he said, you don't want anyone to ever know mm. that you got only six deals going at one time. Now, I didn't quite get what he meant by that, right? I go, well, what do you, what do you mean by that, Mike? He goes, look, I've been watching you for six months. I have never, and I've been in the business 30 years, Gino, I've never seen anybody try as hard as you. Mm. He goes, six deals. That's nothing. I go, well, well, how many should I have? And he goes, 15. Really? <laughs> right? So I thought about this a million times. Had Mike Ray been my manager trying to jack me up so I'd sell more houses and the manager looks good? I'm not sure if it would have got it, but I knew Mike was so much integrity and so straight and only wanted to help me. I believed him. Right? right? And he raised the bar. He raised the bar, Dermot. He raised the bar. A month later, not numbered, 15 deals. Wow. Okay? Powerful. JT, the great yep. JT, who you know, your yep. pal, who runs the office um, in Los Altos for Intero today, my former partner, JT, that like six months after that, I called him up. He was, he, JT's brilliant, graduated from Cal with two majors in 18 months, right? But he was working as a financial analyst, boring as could be. I mm. call him up. He was making 1500 bucks a month. As a financial analyst for a spree back in like '86, mm. so he said, "JT, here, I just give you a hundred bucks per deal. You can come work for me. I got fifteen of them every month, right?" Wow. And JT came as my assistant back in the day when no one had assistants back wow. then, and that's how I met, met JT. But in any case, from that first sale for one year, sold fifty-two houses. Wow! And I sold more houses than anyone that year. In, Never in sold your first less. Year. Well. Not really my first year, but my first year from right. from, from when, when it started you, going. So gotcha. it's about about first year and a half. My first year from when I sold that house to going one full year, I ended up selling fifty two houses. That's incredible. Okay. In talking to Gino, you really get a sense of what a force of nature this man is. Let's listen in on the next segment. You've such a work ethic and such an enthusiasm. And those formative years have served you well. And one of the reasons I think you've done as well as you have is the fact that you understand this business from the grassroots up. And what I hear in that story is the fact that you embraced every single opportunity that you had, whether it was being the chef, the regrip in the clubs, almost PGA Tour Pro in the midst yeah. of it. But you were all in and you were humble enough to learn and your enthusiasm and learning those skills and getting some training and just having no quitting you. Results in like 52 sales within the year of making your first one. I mean, that's, yeah, that's there, extraordinary. A lot of people need to hear that. Th there was an old uh, Steve Winwood song, and I always like used to talk about it. When you see your chance, take it. Right. You know what I mean? So I always tried cool. to, like, if I had that chance to try to take it. Well, let's it. talk about that a little bit because, yeah. you know, I'm curious about this. So you go from real estate agent, mm -hmm. and you obviously love the business. Mm -hmm. How many years are you in this business? Well, pretty much since uh, really 84. Okay. So it's 32 years. Wow. You started as a realtor, yeah. and then you got an opportunity. You got another chance to become a manager. Yeah, what, what happened there is is my Little League baseball coach, Papa Moles, called me to come work at, at Contempo Realty. Mm -hmm. And I came into Contempo Realty as a top-producing agent now. It was 1988, and I was you know the top agent in our county. So he kind of gave me free reign to be kind of like the manager without even telling me. I mean, he announced it one day. I remember JT saying, you know, GB, you held out on me. I didn't know you were going to be the manager. I go, I didn't know it either. You just did. Now, back then at Contempo, you didn't pay you for being the manager. Right. You were just the manager. You were the guy. You still just yeah. sold everything yeah. and did that. But then it was kind of interesting because it was my first step towards 
what I do now more of leadership. Yeah. And I started hiring a bunch of really young people, mm. most of them guys, but young gals too. Yeah. And by 1989, okay, we had 28 agents. We had 23 of them make $100,000, wow. which was unheard of. Wow. And we had an average age of 26 years old in our office. Lots of those guys, mm -hmm. JT, Tom Tognoli, lots of those yeah. guys are, are hugely successful, hugely really successful on their own. Dave Welton, you know, David Maldwin. Wow. I mean, hugely successful people. How did you go from me to we? How did you go from you're an individual realtor trying to figure it out this business yourself? You're going out at hammer and tongs trying to figure it out and create an opportunity for yourself. What was the next leg of the journey like? What did you have to do differently? I got pretty good at selling houses. I was a faculty member at De Anza College for 25 years, so I really learned and understood the principles of real estate. So mm -hmm. I was a deal doctor as could be. Mm -hmm. It was the combination of the sales guy, but also the deal doctor. Mm -hmm. Knew every little detail on that. I think I got maybe a little bit bored. Yep. Okay, maybe a little bit bored and also thinking that, you know, you can have a bigger impact on people if you can, like my mission is I help people achieve their goals faster than they would in my absence, right? That's what I do. Mm. That's kind of like my vision, awesome. right? So that's what I like to do. So it was like, you know, JT was my assistant. Now look at him now. Dominic Nicoli, who makes $2 million a year mm. selling houses, was my assistant. Mm -hmm. Ivan Margaretich was my assistant. There's mm. so many of these guys that came in as mm -hmm. my assistant. And, you know, if I was just building a team and being selfish about it and want to just keep them all yeah. on my team, but I wanted them right. to be able to grow too. So you go from agent to manager mm -hmm. to executive in a company, mm -hmm. a company that gets sold. Yeah, I became I an owner of Contempo Realty and was the chief operating officer. Mm -hmm. So um, I was like the top agent in the company, had the top office in the company. And was the chief operating officer. This guy had like three jobs. So when I when we sold our company to, to NRT, and then I became the president, mm. it was like, hey, this is easy. Now I only have one job. Mm. You know, right? Um, and so we had a I had a five year non compete. So what so, did you do? What happened between those years? Um, I, I worked as the president of Contempo Realty. Gotcha. It was called Century 21. Mm -hmm. Then we bought a wonderful company called Seville Properties. You probably may remember mm -hmm. that name from long ago. It was all the top, top ladies in Los Altos. Just mm -hmm. an extraordinary company. And so then we became Century 21 Seville Contempo. Three years into that, we merged it with Coldwell Banker Northern California. And I got promoted again to the position of senior vice president for mm -hmm. NRT. So mm -hmm. now I'm a senior vice president for NRT. We were in the National Real Estate Trust. National Real Estate Trust. It's just called NRT now. We were in 30-so metropolitan areas. And I would go around from company to company and, and just check on the president and things like that. And that was fine. It wasn't super-duper fulfilling, but it was fine. I loved Bob Becker. I loved the people at, at NRT, but it just wasn't fulfilling. So what was not what was missing for you? For what was missing fulfilling? was that entrepreneurial thing that all of us that have eat what we kill, right? <laughs> you know, that's that entrepreneurial, yeah. you know, juices started, yeah. uh, started flowing there. And that's when I started Intero Real Estate Services. You know, Gino ended up where a lot of people can, working a job he enjoyed, but feeling he had so much more to offer. So he struck out on his own and started his own company, Intero Real Estate Services. And it went from zero to a thousand people in just 18 months. Let's hear how. Four months after my non-compete was up, I quit and I had really nowhere to go, but with the idea that I was going to start a real estate company. And I didn't even know the name Intero. That, that came about later. But I was going to just open up an office, 
there in Cupertino. But I knew if I could find some capital that there was a great opportunity mm -hmm. to really do something big. And I was fortunate enough to be contacted by a guy by the name of Jerry Hotman, who was a businessman out of Denver. And he had like 18 different companies, wealthy guy, 18 different companies. Seven of those were title companies. One was a, a doc prep company. One was a mortgage company, but not, no real estate company. So I got him to virtually lend me or invest $28 million. Wow. And I left and started basically in Tarot on July 29th. On August 20th, I did a handshake deal with Jerry Hotman and had money. So on the 21st, JT joined. On the 22nd, Tognoli joined. On the 23rd, Kevin Moles joined. Jerry Kissed, all my guys joined then because we had some capital behind us. Wow. And then from scratch, all of us, Brian Crane, Terry Meyer, all of us joined together and founded Intero and grew it organically with no mergers, no acquisitions. And it was pretty ironic because it went from zero to a thousand people in 18 months. When I think wow. back on it now, it's kind of like impossible, yeah. but when you have all the confidence that comes with ignorance, <laughs> right? You're, you're, you're just going full speed right. ahead. And I love about that the fact that you brought everybody who's been on your journey with you into the future. Yeah. And they went with you. We yeah. said a lot about their belief in you, but obviously they had belief in you because they'd seen what happened in the past. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Why did so many people want to work at Intero? I think because of the culture that we created. Sometimes there's there's time for some change, even though people you know battle change. Mm -hmm. Intero was uh, the vision statement. It was guided by the principle of trust, respect, and integrity. We empower people to achieve their dreams, and it was built on 15 core values that I put in one of those you know yeah, um, I remember you walked those pyramids, through walked you through yeah. those right, and so. It was not an easy crowd. It wasn't where the expectations were low. You, you were going where you were challenged to study, to, to read, to learn, to develop the next skill. So it wasn't for everybody, right. you know? You had to be all in. You, you had to be you, like we, we wanted you what to you be guys had done to become successful. Yeah, especially in those early, early, early days. You were, you were yeah. all in. And great people, you know? JT, Tognoli, Brian Crane, you know, just the people that came in, Terry Meyer, um, those people that came in, Kevin Moles, Jerry Kiss, those were the original six. They were just great. And so every one of them went out and started their own office. Well, you know, what's amazing is the fact that it's such a great story, all of it. And there can't be a bigger compliment than the fact that A, it's still thriving today. And B, is the fact that someone like Warren Buffett comes along and says, I believe in what you're doing and what you've created and what you've built. And I want it. And I can't think of a bigger compliment. Yeah, you know, thank you. Yeah, well, that's a great yeah. story. And I think yeah. that's where we met. Yeah. And I think for where I was we, convicted. We met when I had you come up to Intero to visit me. That's right. Because you might have cold called me. I might have. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was fascinated by the story. Mm -hmm. And then what I was more impressed was by the people and the passion and the fact that this was authentic, that this was real. This wasn't just a, a brochure. It wasn't a set of principles on a wall and a nice pyramid and a great set of ideas. These were ideas that had been applied, that had been learned. They were real and they were owned by all of you. And the fact that the desire was to help anybody else who became part of that family, that everybody at the table was gonna was gonna eat well. You know, Eddie DeBartolo Jr. was inducted into the Hall of Fame as as an owner of an NFL team. And I saw what Eddie did 
with the 49ers mm-hmm. when he took over in 1977. Well, what did he do for the 49ers? He was the owner, He's Eddie Gavardo Jr. Okay, okay gotcha. yeah. I mean, you talk to any of the players, you know how like you'll say, hey, this is arguably the greatest quarterback or arguably the greatest wide receiver. Mm-hmm. When they talk about the greatest owner, it's just Eddie D. Gotcha. Okay. I watched what he did and how he built that family, mm-hmm. you know, there. And that's kind of a, a lot what we tried to do was modeled after what the 49ers and then, then Bill Walsh with the systems yep. were doing. Right. You know? And you know, and And that's where we met because when we got in touch, you were like, I'm going to, uh, we had launched a program, a training program where people were, you know, 100 days of greatness. 100 days of greatness and people producers. Before I get into that though, you know, I heard you say about Mike Ray being your first mentor. Mm -hmm. How important a role was that for you in your career and who were your mentors? Um, And what did they mean to you? What did they do for you? Yeah. You know, have had um, many, many along the way. Many that, you know, you don't even know. Like I mentioned, Eddie D., you yeah, know, I've only, right. only met him once, right? right? But I feel like I know him in many ways. He was a mentor. Bill Walsh was a mentor. Yes. Brian Buffini, yeah. your, your company's been yeah. a mentor to me. Literally. All of these Absolutely. great people that have had, you know, Jim Rohn, right? Yeah. You know, Brian Tracy. And we could go on and on all of these things. What would you say to someone who doesn't, why would somebody need a mentor? What would you tell them? is the benefits of having a mentor. Well, you know, one of the things that they can do is they've been down that road before mm-hmm. and they can, they can help you with the ropes to skip, the ropes to take, things like yeah. that. They've been there. So Gino climbed the ladder of corporate success, but the heart of his story is his commitment to personal growth and development. I love this next section where he talks about his routines. Let's take a listen. You are a personal growth and development guy. I mean, my own brother who has been a, he's just a voracious reader and a student and a great teacher, but I can't think of anyone else other than him who knows more about personal growth and development than you. Now, how did you get first exposed to it and who were the influences? I know you mentioned some of them already. Yeah, but- yeah. I mean, I first got exposed to it through Tommy Hopkins. Because yeah. back then, back in the 80s, he was the, he, he was the guy, yeah. Floyd Wickman. Right, and then you know the next thing you know, the Nightingale Conant. Remember the old yep. tapes, yep. right, and all of that. But so. you had it going all the time, like you yeah. have it all the time. All I remember your time. wife telling me a story about you going to a Jim Rohn conference, mm-hmm. and she woke up at like six a.m. on Saturday morning, the day after you'd been to a Jim Rohn conference, yeah. with a Kango hammer and, and sledgehammer going at the back of the house, and she's like. <laughs> What the heck are you doing, Gino? Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. like, Jim Rohn said that every millionaire who ever became anything e- every, had a library. Every $2 million house had $2 a library. Million yeah, great memory on that one, yeah. And in, in fact, you know what? Early mentors, Mike Ray, that same guy, before he went into real estate, he worked for Jim Rohn. So Jim Rohn, gotcha. Zig Ziglar, and Og Mandino, another great mentor of mine, okay, all came in 1985 to San Jose. Because Mike Ray had worked for Jim Rohn, we were right up front. Wow. I got to talk to Zig. I got to talk to Jim. But I really got close with Og Mandino. Okay? Wow. So then everything that Og Mandino did, you know, the, the greatest salesman in the world, yep. mission success. I have a thing by Og Mandino that I listen to every day, and it's me reciting a section of his book, Mission Success, where I will live today as all good actors do when they are on stage only in the moment. I cannot perform at my best today by regretting my previous acts mistakes or worrying about the scenes to come. I'll take mm. off my coat and make those. I could go on for three minutes with you <laughs> on that because I went over it's in Og Mandino. Og Mandino was a huge, huge, huge impact. Well, yes. and, and here's the thing is we have a lot of people come to seminars. There's a lot of people in the real estate business who go to seminars and but this is what struck me about what Joni told me there's very few people who hear someone like Jim Rohn say you know what 
most successful people in the world and every house over $2 million has a library of books. And the fact that you left there and you're hammering at the back of the house at six o'clock in the morning and Joni yeah. goes, what the heck are you doing? And go, yeah. Joni, we're building the library. Right, right. And so that's always struck me from the yeah. standpoint of yeah. you can have all the knowledge in the world, right, but right. you've applied it. Yeah. The house was on a hill. So you could kind of like dig out from underneath it. And to that day, there's that library. That is crazy. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What has success taught you? You know, I, I think what I learned is you make sacrifices for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, the, the famous old line, I'm not sure one of my mentors probably said it, but two things about success, you pay full price and you pay in advance. Mm-hmm. Okay. I certainly learned that. I also learned the harder I worked the luckier I became, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, but then again, what do they say luck is? It's when preparation meets opportunity. So there's all of these little, they almost call them like, you know, little sayings, so to speak, but right. they're so, so true. Oh, that's brilliant. And one more piece yeah. on success, yeah. and this is um, uh, another thing I'm preaching all the time. You know, if you're interested in being successful, you watch realtors all the time. They do what's convenient. Mm. But when you're committed to being successful, you do whatever it takes. And, mm. and in our business, in almost any business, that's exactly, exactly mm. what it takes. Well, you know, and you've demonstrated that in your life, and that's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. And, and, you know, one of the things I know about you is that you're also an implementer of structure, and you've developed routines in order to make sure that you stay the course. Because we all fall off. We all drift and the whole lot. Tell us about your routines because I know okay. that you've, Super, you've established yeah. some great routines. Um, yeah. I want to present that to your group one day, my, my routine. Let's do it. But, do it but now. I, but I have, a, I have a, a thing called um, How to Create an Unstoppable Mindset and Routine. Okay? And basically, it has to do with doing the same thing over and over again. Now, I'm not going to you know preach religion to anyone. I, I'm Catholic because I was born Catholic, okay? <laughs> and that's that's just what I yep. am. But I will tell you this. Every day since 1983, I've said the rosary. I've never missed a day. I mm. said it today, mm. okay? Going back to maybe now about a month now, I've said the rosary twice per day because I have a very good friend that may have... I'm praying that it's not a terminal disease, uh, so I'm doing yeah. a rosary for that particular uh, person, cool. too. So that's part of my routine. Uh, I used to like to say my meds, okay? Yep. Meditation and prayer, okay? Meditation and prayer. So I'm going to meditate and pray. And my daughter being into yoga and things like that certainly has helped that a bit, too, with um, you know breathing techniques and, and, and meditation there. But I'm going to do that first thing in the morning. I call it my meds. M stands <laughs> for meditation. E stands for exercise, Okay, I'm going to work out every day. Even if I'm on the road, this morning at 5 a.m., we're up in San Francisco at Inman right now. We're recording this. I walked down to the Embarcadero. So I walked from 5 a.m. to to 6.48. I made the mistake on going on a couple of walks for you. I'm not doing that again. We did that in New York and Riz Media, right? (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So meditation, exercise, some form of exercise, diet, okay? You know, just watching, being careful to watch what you eat. I mean, you know, we had lunch today and we were actually reasonably careful with what we ate, diet. And then the S stands for sleep, okay? Mm. And those are like keystone habits that create small wins. There's all sorts of stuff there. So that's part of the routine. Also part of the routine is is getting something positive into your head. So in anything, here I'll give you kind of like a little overview of the the Geno routine. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray and I'm going to meditate. That's always the first thing that I do, Mm. okay? Then the second thing that I do is I'm going to work out. 
And the reason I can be in reasonably good shape You're in great shape, is because Gene. I only work out on the days that end in Y. Okay? <laughs> I almost never miss because of the routine. Now, mm. here, I didn't want to go into the gym, and I don't need to lift, but I, I would walk. So I, yeah. I count that as, right. as working Tough. out. Okay? Then, during the workout, okay, I'm going to be putting something good into my brain. So I listened to that thing by Og Mandino that I wrote. Now, you know, it, it'll blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. But I have it on my phone right here because I travel a lot. I have on my phone, and I can go right now, and I'll show you something, Dermot, but you'll get, a, you'll get a kick out of it. But I'll go right down here, and this will say Mindset Augs and others. Mm. So I've got nine minutes that I would listen to different things. The, the, the Kipling poem by Rudyard Kipling, if you can keep your head when all about you are mm. losing theirs and blaming it on you. Mm. You can trust yourself when all men doubt you, make allowance too. So that's me saying that. The next thing I am do is I can listen to myself doing Augmandino, you know, um, saying the Augmandino. I'll recite that. There's a success formula by Norman Vincent Peale, his book, The Power of Positive Thinking. It's also, it was gonna be named The Power of Faith, okay? He's got a success formula. I recite that. That's Norman Vincent Peale. Napoleon Hill Napoleon, has a yeah. self-confidence formula. I read that. Wow. Um, so I'll read those four things. That's kind of like that's changing my state right there. Okay. Then we'll kind of like go through the day. But that will that will set the whole thing for the day. I will also have a journal that I would love to share with you at some point. But in a journal, I have set up there. I did this years ago. Ten people that you're grateful for. Right. Three things that made you happy in the last 24 hours. Took out of that a Sean Aker's book, The Happiness yeah. Advantage. Yeah. And then I programmed the non-conscious portion of my brain by saying I am earning X number of dollars yep. per month. I also add to that that I have perfect health and fitness. And right. I brain my, myself with that. The reason being, again, working with the conscious part of your mind, is, which is like the CEO piece, mm. but it only controls two to 4% of your perceptions and behavior. It's I call it the drunk monkey because it worries about the past, mm. worries about the future, compared to the non-conscious portion of your brain, which is servile, that sets no goals of its own, doesn't judge the merit or the value of the goal. It only tries to carry out that given order. Mm. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to program my non-conscious portion of my brain to look for good things. Yeah. The next thing that I will do is I will review my goals. And most people don't achieve their goals because they never really look at them. So if you go to this thing here, and I'm showing you the mindset routine, it says Aug and others, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the next one, the next one is goals. 16 minutes and 16 seconds of me going through my life plan. Okay. Now, if you do that every day, you're putting it in, as, as, as Brian likes to say, your reticular activating system part yeah. of your brain, yeah. your RAS. Reticulum is a Greek word for little net, which mm -hmm. means everything that goes into that net, Okay, everything you see, you taste, you touch, you hear, you smell, goes into this net. Now, if you're aware of it, if you've programmed in there, you're going to see it. Mm. If you don't, you don't see it. So my routine is all about programming things into my mind that I want it to go out and find. Right. Okay? So that's part of that's There's no part accident. Of the routine. There's just no yeah, accident. It's, 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 all, it's, it's all part of a routine. That's fantastic. Okay. That's great. There's so much there, Gino. There's so much. Yeah, we, we, to, we could do an hour on that oh, one. Oh, my gosh. But it's, it's yeah. also there's no secrets to success. 
But there's also, you have become successful because you've tried to be. And that's why I always like to call it principles. Because, right, right. you're absolutely right. There's no secrets. Right. right? We all, we, they're, they're out there. They're principles of success. Well, I'm going to ask you about those seven that you shared recently. Because mm-hmm. I know you did a uh, commencement speech for Woodbury University. But where does your drive come from? You know, I've kind of always been driven. I don't know. It comes maybe from an insecurity somewhere. I, I know I now, I, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that, Dermot, because I carry around a fair amount of money in my pocket, okay? I'll always have, you know, several hundred dollar bills, Yeah. okay? And I thought about that one time, and then it, 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 it came to me that, you know what? That's just an insecurity. When I was thinking, when I did that speech for Woodbury University, and I went back to my beginning of my career where I had that $1 bill in my pocket for three months, I thought, wow, I was probably so insecure from that that nowadays I put much more money in my pocket than I, I don't spend any money. Right. I use my credit card. Anyways, right. But I have that in there. Maybe it was an insecurity, but I will tell you, when I was a kid, before anything, I was the kid that watered everybody's lawn, mowed everybody's lawn, took care of it when they were on vacation. At 15, I had my first company called B&M Enterprises. Myself, Gino Blafari, that was the B. David Moody, that was the M, Enterprises. I still have one of those business That's cards awesome. from, from when I was 15 years old. I'll take a picture of that That's and send awesome. it to you. Get well, you're an entrepreneur. You're you just know? a total entrepreneur, yeah. and you love the excitement of the engineers. You tell me about this commencement speech that you made for Woodbury University. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but think that I wish I had been one of those kids listening to what you shared. And what I'd love for you to do is just kind of share some of the things that you shared so our listeners can, I mean, I think it's, it's absolutely phenomenal stuff. You know how you talk about goals and being committed? I make 10 commitments every month to my sales team. Mm. Six of them have to do with work, okay? Four of them are personal. And I committed to doing 15,000 sit-ups in the month of July, okay? And um, I was, as I was looking for something on my phone just now, let me show you this. This will blow your mind. But there it is from July 1 all the way down. And you can see I did 16,300 wow. But I kept track every single day. And you can see three days on vacation, I did zero. Fourth of July, 5th and 6th of July, I did zero. But isn't that rather interesting? That's unreal. You yeah, know, but, but so, it's, it's yeah. the old, when performance is measured, performance improves. When performance is measured and reported back, the rate of improvement accelerates. But yeah, there were seven, I called them principles. I didn't want to call them success, but seven principles. Right. right. So yeah. tell us about some of those seven. Well, the first one was um, play full out. Yeah. Okay, that was number one. Play full out. Do whatever it takes. You know, and I remember I'm talking to college kids, right? You know, put your whole self in the job and know this. You got to want it more than anything or anyone. You just got to want it. And that goes back to to me on how I started with $1 bill in my pocket and and not the CEO and not success immediately. So that was the number one was play full out. Number two is what we just talked about. Have a morning routine. Have a good, strong morning routine. Okay? You've got to get something positive, Dermot, in your head, Mm -hmm. which you know better than anyone. That's great to hear again. And and the best way to do that is, you know, in the morning. In the morning, your brain is what they call an alpha state. And anything that goes in in the morning at that time tends to stay with you. You ever heard a song on the radio in the morning? And then you're kind of like singing it the whole day long. Same thing. Sets the tone for the day. Sets the tone for the day. And again, I started out with my meds, meditation, exercise, diet, and sleep. My keystone habits, okay? Great. The third one, and you know, 
I learned lots of things from all the different trainers. I would say I learned this more from Brian and yourself. But the third one is this. Be humble, laugh, have fun, and smile. Now, does that mm-hmm. remind you of, of, that reminds me of all the Buffinis, okay? <laughs> That's all the Buffinis. Yeah, and like and, and don't take yourself too seriously. Right. I have this great saying. I, I, I heard at a conference one time, and it was, a, smugness comes before arrogance, mm. and arrogance is the precursor to disaster. Mm. I remember the book, Good to Great. Once you think you know it all, your yeah, slide to mediocrity has totally already true. begun. Yeah. So that's there. Build a great team. Right, I've, I've always said, and I've yeah. told you this, Dermot, a million times. I love what I do largely because of who I work with. Dietra is my admin at Intero. She's my admin at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Yeah. She will owe you know, that's yeah. a part of my team. Yeah. And know? I've seen you do that. I've seen you, the quality of individual I met at Intero, the professionalism, they have fun, the camaraderie. And the team you surround yourself with today, I mean, the quality of individual you seem to bring along and, and empower, and uh, it's it's off the charts. Yeah, well, if, if you go back, and because you're so familiar with Intero, and now I'm getting the same thing at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, uh, HSF Affiliates, but if, if you look at teams are important blends of personalities and talents. Mm. John was different than Tom. Tom was different than Brian. Brian was different than Kevin. Kevin was different than Jerry. Jerry was different than Terry. We were all kind of like different, and, and you know, great teams, right? Mm-hmm. Someone to lead the charge, yep. someone to hold something in reserve, someone to pick a fight, someone to make peace, someone to think things through, <laughs> someone to charge ahead without thinking. It takes thinking. a village. It takes yeah. a village and somehow that needs to mesh and that's the steepest challenge in that, you know. Mm-hmm. The fifth one that I shared with them was about providing extraordinary customer service because, and the, the Buffini company talks about that. That's why you do business by referral. Right. Your dad, with yep. his painting, yep. put your name on it. That's right. Do a great job, That's you know. Right. And uh, so I told them, whatever job you take in whatever field, it's all about an extraordinary customer experience. Okay, and you know that's why you know we always tell realtors don't compete on price. Right. Any knucklehead can lower the price, right? <laughs> you know, you want to compete on extraordinary quality, service, convenience, and value, which equals the entire experience. And you know why no one does it? Because it's hard, right? right? But it's right. always that hard that makes you great. It's yeah. that willingness to do the hard that mm. separates you from mm. your competition. This is a, a big one. Number six is read. Probably got this one from Brian Tracy, you know, yep. which which we all know. But um, Brian told me, Brian Tracy, to read in your field for one hour a day. So like, okay. So I read in my real estate field for one hour a day. Well, by three years in the business, I was an authority on, on real estate. I had mm. the local newspapers, the television right. stations. I had the community yeah. college reach out for me to teach principles of real mm. estate, right? So today... I listen to some type of book every single day, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's because new eyes see old things in new ways, and that's, that's how I make my eyes new. Number seven, again, a philosophy of the Buffini Company, a philosophy of almost every good coaching company is continuous improvement. One mm-hmm. thing that I've learned since leaving school was work harder on yourself than you do on your job. It's kind of a Jim Rohn thing, yep. right? You perform high, zig, you perform how you see yourself, right? Mm. So that's the, the purpose of that. Mm-hmm. And then you'll always be growing, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that was Augmentino about never hide your talents. If I'm silent, I'm forgotten. If I do not advance, I'll fall back. If I walk away from any challenge day, my self-esteem will be forever scarred. If I cease to grow even a little, I'll become smaller, reject the stationary, because it's being, I got that all from Augmentino. 
Mm-hmm. Og was my guy on on that one there. That's so awesome. those are seven, you know, I think principles that we all know. But you know, as we all know, we need to be reminded, and that's why you're doing this, right. this podcast more than trained. Well, this is pure gold, and uh, I can't imagine how blessed those young people were to hear that from someone who's done it. And those seven principles are fantastic, and I know that uh, I'll certainly be listening to this over and over again, so yeah, I can uh, drill that into my own head. This is great stuff. We're getting towards the end here. Are you Good. ready for a couple of fun rapid yeah, fire we'll questions? Rapid, ready yeah, to go? we'll just wrap it up. All sure. right, let me ask you this: What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Best piece of advice I've ever received was again from Jim Rohn: Work harder on yourself mm. than you do on your job. That's great. What's one talent or gift do you wish you possessed that you currently don't? Wish I could play an instrument. Mm. What would you play? A guitar. Oh, I like it. Okay, I think you might have already said this, but let's just, I'm just curious. What book has been the most instrumental in your life? There's all sorts of them. I guess maybe the old Think and Grow Rich Mm. by Napoleon Hill Mm -hmm. because he was the real starter of the Mm -hmm. whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I'd maybe say that one, but you know, The Slight Edge was really terrific and there's all sorts of so many great books. It's funny you should say that because one of my previous podcast guests, Dave Lineker, the founder of Chairman Remax, said the same thing. Yeah. That's interesting. What movie do you watch over and over? Uh, Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. all the Rockies. Um, <laughs> Gotta love a good Rocky. Yeah, there was a there was a one movie called Mr. Destiny. Did you ever see that no, one? No, it's no. A, it's a hard, little hard to find, but that was a really cool one too. But um, you know, it's a Wonderful Life. Mm. Uh, that one, you know, Wizard of Oz. I think I gave you plenty, right? You <laughs> yeah, know. I got my next um, you know, I know what I'm per, watching. Per, perhaps, perhaps now, maybe. I have only watched it once, but um, it was interesting. The movie The Bucket List, mm. you know, where Morgan Freeman said, you know, you, you measure your life by the people that measure themselves against you or something like that. Mm. There was like, there's some, you know, you think that's going to be a comedy and it turns into be a very, very serious, serious movie. Right. Right. Oh, really great movie that I told you to go see. Cowspiracy. Yeah, you just told me on that Netflix. Cowspiracy. All right, I'll be looking okay, at that. Yeah. Well, you know, this has been pure gold. I want to thank you for just for being the real deal, uh, for being a guy who has pursued with his whole heart and spirit every opportunity that you've ever had and honored it. And it's a great story. It's uh, an American story. It's it's what people come to this country to hear about and to live. And also, not just that you have fulfilled your own potential and being a student and you still are the guy who shows up at the seminar at the front row and you know the stuff you know what they're going to say but you still show up and i love the fact that you are just so committed to getting so many people to achieve their own potential and you give so much we need you in real estate and the industry is better because of you i know that i will be listening to this podcast over and over again but i I can't thank you enough for taking this time thanks for the mentorship that i've received from you and what i've learned from you and again just thank you we're getting you on stage a little bit more i know you're challenging me too yeah yeah. so and 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 you know what dermot the buffini organization no finer Mm. I say this from the bottom of my mm. heart, no finer organization, mm. no finer group of people mm. from from Brian to Einstein, you know, all, all, all of you here. Um, it's the new name of our podcast yeah. producer, Dave Lally. He's called him Einstein. Yeah, yeah, he right. does know everything. It's true. Yeah. So we got to thank you. I've, I've um, been at Riz Media where they thank your company for just what you do do because you only impact people in positive ways. Mm. And that's all we all try to do. Well, we're thankful for you and um, we're better because of you. Thanks so much for taking the time to share your story and all you've learned. And uh, I really appreciate you. So thanks again. Good. My pleasure. 
Well, that was great. You know, Gino shared a ton of principles, and what I learned there is never underestimate what can happen when hard work and principles combine. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. And don't forget to head over and leave a review on iTunes. We're also on Android, so download your favorite podcast app from Google Play and tune in for free. Our goal is to positively influence as many folks as we can, so please share the show with others. And in the tradition of the Brian Buffini Show, I'd like to leave you with an Irish blessing our grandfather used to say. May the roads rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. <laughs>